Coming up on We Talk News this week, the cannabis industry flocks to Boston for the 8th annual New England Cannabis Convention. Green Rush Live is on location there this week. Plus, a Russian cannabis entrepreneur in Nevada gets bagged for illegal campaign financing. And take a bite out of this edible in the shape of an ear. Who else? But Mike Tyson's cannabis company is now offering ear-shaped edibles with a chunk missing. It's even endorsed by Evander Holyfield. You just can't make this stuff up. We Talk News is next. Pro Cannabis Media original content is supported by Salient Systems, your trusted name in video surveillance for the cannabis industry, and by Revolutionary Clinics, Massachusetts' number one medical dispensary where the patient comes first, and by Accounting Buds, CPA services for the cannabis industry, and by Stylighting.shop. Log on today to get your grow kit. We are pro-cannabis media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Weed Talk News. I'm Elena Pinto reporting for pro-cannabis media. And a new report this week is showing that the end of the coronavirus pandemic could also mean an end to the quarantine hype around buying weed. MJ Biz Daily reported this week that many cannabis industry executives have seen the correlation between marijuana sales and COVID restrictions easing in the U.S. The platform found sales of cannabis products increased by 777 percent in 2020. But that seems to be slowing as people start to return to normal life. And while that may mean a slowdown in sales, the return to normal is good news for in-person events. This is the weekend where the entire cannabis industry comes to Boston for the eighth annual New England Cannabis Convention at the Heinz Auditorium. This is the largest cannabis convention open to the industry and the consumer. Over 350 vendors will be displaying the latest in lighting, growing, and doing the business of cannabis. Over 30,000 people are expected for the educational workshops and the exhibit floor. The September event was a masked event, but now that Boston has lifted its indoor mask mandate, masks will be optional. The pandemic wreaked havoc on the entire trade show industry, and it was especially tough on cannabis. No one knows that better than Nikon's director, Mark Shepard. Um, Mark, you know, needless to say, the COVID pandemic shut everybody down, but the trade show industry was really another one like the uh, like the um, cruise industry. They, they could, you couldn't do anything. Um, I know how frustrating that was for you. So when you're now back into it and you see a full year of NECAN events, you, you've got to be excited that, or taking a deep breath, at least that at least it moves forward. Yeah. I mean, there, there obviously was, you know, it's easy to, to, to forget it now, but certainly before the vaccines came, you know, a lot of people, there was a lot of talk and a lot of people in the industry, oh, we're transitioning to, to virtual events. There was a lot of people speculating that this was the end of an industry. And, and having come from print journalism, you know, I'm very familiar with, with being in an industry as it's, as it's going down the, the drain. So, you know, to, to, to come out of that and, and be able to now look at the fact that the events are stronger than ever, it's a huge relief. I mean, you can't, Put aside the fact that you know we we literally are now 
um, you know, filling in the lost revenue for two full calendar years. Right. You know, so as as this year looks great, um, it looks great um, as a way to make up for the fact that we were completely shut down for 24 months. Be sure to tune in to Green Rush Live this week with Pro Cannabis Media's Jimmy Young live from the New England Cannabis Convention. And new into the Pro Cannabis Media newsroom, Toy Hutchinson, the CEO of the Marijuana Policy Project, has announced a virtual press conference to recognize the 50-year anniversary of the Schaefer Commission report. In 1972, the Schaefer Commission investigated the effects of cannabis use on specific communities and found that small amounts of cannabis do not harm society and should not result in criminalization or jail time. The MPP hopes to reinvigorate an initiative to end the federal prohibition on cannabis immediately. The virtual event takes place Tuesday, March 22nd at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And this week, state treasurers from across the U.S. participated in a panel focused on federal marijuana banking reform. The most focal point of the three-day conference was the Safe Banking Act, which has failed to pass Congress six times. Democrats are running out of time to pass any meaningful incremental reform before potentially losing control of Congress. So we'll have to see if this secretary meetup holds any weight. And for more from the nation's capital, here's Vote Pro Podcast's Phil Adams. Hi, I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast, here with the Weed Talk News DC Report. Two companies that produce cannabinoid pharmaceuticals have accused the Drug Enforcement Administration of slow rolling their registration application for years. MMJ International Holdings, in partnership with MMJ Biopharma Cultivation, say they applied for bulk manufacturing registration back in 2018 and that the DEA has delayed the process for no apparent reason. MMJ International produces a cannabis-based gel cap medicine used for testing as a potential treatment for multiple sclerosis and Huntington's disease. The Department of Veterans Affairs has served notice that it will not support the use of cannabinoid medicine when it comes to preventing veteran suicide. In a proposed final rule for a new suicide prevention grant program, the VA announced that because marijuana remains federally illegal, grant funds cannot be used toward providing cannabis as a treatment for mental health issues commonly associated with veterans. This comes despite repeated testimony before Congress by veterans organizations and other experts on the effectiveness of cannabis in treating anxiety, PTSD, depression, and other conditions identified as risk factors for suicide. The final rule is set to take effect on April 11th. The Department of Transportation has proposed a new drug testing policy that they believe will be significantly more accurate and less invasive for transportation workers. Current FTA policy mandates urine testing, which many view as unnecessarily intrusive and prone to false positives. As an alternative, the FDA is recommending testing of oral saliva, which they say is more economical and less susceptible to cheating. Moreover, the oral test would be a better indicator of intoxication, since THC is only detectable in saliva for up to 24 hours, instead of weeks or months, as with urine tests. 
This would greatly reduce the possibility of penalizing people who are not actually impaired on the job, as well as the indignity of peeing in a cup. That's the Weed Talk News DC report for this week. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast. And back in Massachusetts, it seems more banks are willing to go green. Needham Bank recently agreed to acquire the cannabis banking operations of Eastern Bank with plans to open a branch focused on marijuana businesses. And it seems more institutions are following suit. With about a dozen Massachusetts banks and credit unions now offering financial services to cannabis businesses. Ron Marshall C. has more from the Bay State this week. I'm Ron Marshall C. with the Massachusetts Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. The New England Cannabis Convention is returning to the Heinz Convention Center in Boston this weekend. PCM founder Jimmy Young talked to NECAN founder Mark Shepard about what people can expect this upcoming weekend. And how has sales gone? What kind of a show are we going to see uh, over the weekend? Um, you know, there's, there's really three measurements, you know, number of exhibitors, which we were at an all-time high, um, amount of programming and events around it, which is an all-time high. <clears throat> Ticket sales right now are pacing to be an all-time high, but I'm, I'm very pessimistic in general, so I don't want to say that it's going to be all-time high, but, you know, the, the pacing's been fantastic. The convention will run from the 18th to the 20th, and you can find out more about it by going to NECAN's website. Speaking of NECAN Boston, Paybotic, a leading provider of affordable payment solutions in the cannabis industry, is going to be showcasing its products and services at the convention this weekend. Max Miller, co-founder and president of Paybotic, was quoted as saying, We are pleased to help clients find a solution that is right for their business. At Paybotic, we understand that people come to trade shows to explore opportunities and make informed business decisions. And we are here to help. NECAN Boston sounds like it's shaping up to be an excellent event, so if you can make it there, be sure to have fun. And finally, three cannabis industry training sessions will be held at the beginning of April through the Cannabis Education Center at Holyoke Community College. The three courses will provide an overview of the cannabis industry, specifically in Massachusetts, and are there to help people who are looking for general knowledge on cannabis. The first course is an introduction to the plant and industry. The second is the cannabis extraction technician training. And the third is the cannabis culinary assistant training. You can find out more information at the Holyoke Community College website. That's this week's Massachusetts Cannabis Report. For Weed Talk News, I'm Ron Marshallsey. And more cannabis companies are looking for a way to lend a helping hand amid the war between Ukraine and Russia. Ukrainian-American-owned dispensary Metathrive, located in San Francisco, donated an entire day of sales and 10% of sales the following week to Sunflower of Peace, an organization that provides medical and humanitarian aid to those in Ukraine. It's a touching example of how the benefits of the plant and its regulation can create good in the world. And with more from California this week, let's check in with Christopher Smith. Greetings from the left coast. This is the California Roundup for Weed Talk News. It was 26 years ago in 1996 that California's Prop 215, also known as the Compassionate Use Act, ignited the legal cannabis revolution that has swept the nation, where cannabis is now legal in 37 out of 50 states. So powerful was our movement that, that cannabis workers were considered essential during the worst of COVID. Problem is, when adult use was approved in California in 2016, municipalities were allowed to opt out of having any cannabis businesses, which meant the voters were ignored, and worse, 
People who need cannabis medicine were denied access, forced into the illicit market for their medicine. They are less safe as a result. This week, State Senator Scott Weiner released SB 1186 that aims to restore the will of the people and provide safe local access to life-saving medicine by forcing municipalities to allow medicinal dispensaries or delivery services, or both. We'll be keeping an eye on it. It's the end of an era in Los Angeles, the biggest cannabis city and the biggest cannabis market in the world. Cat Packer, who was called the city's first cannabis czar, has resigned after five years in the role. Packer, who has a BA, a master's and law degree, and happens to be a gay black woman, built a powerful and missioned organization from scratch with never enough funding and facing constant and stiff opposition. Her office granted over 1,200 licenses, including 350 for social equity applicants. She will be remembered for prioritizing social equity and licensing, a spotlight that New York is trying to grab as if they thought of the idea. Now, former heavyweight boxing champ Thunder Mike Tyson, who is famous for my favorite aphorism, every, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face, and also for biting a piece of opponent Evander Holyfield's ear during a championship fight. To show there are no hard feelings, Tyson, who's now one of the most uh, renowned fingers in the California cannabis game, has launched a new product, Mike Bites. They're blood red edible gummies in the shape of ears with a bite taken out. Now, some people are crying foul, but I think it's hilarious. Holyfield seems to be okay with it, so who cares? But let's hope that Lorena Bobbitt doesn't get any ideas. And I'm Christopher Smith, publisher of the American Cannabis Report, sharing respect for California's cannabis patients in arrears, wiping cat packers' tears, and hankering for Mike Tyson's gummy ears for Weed Talk News. Cannabis may be taking a backseat in Washington State. Lawmakers there have set aside $200,000 for research into psilocybin over the next two years. It's great news for holistic and plant medicine, but means the state's efforts on cannabis reform may be put on pause for now. Josh Kincaid has more in this week's Washington State Report. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Hedge with the Washington State Cannabis Report for We Talk News. Of all of the crops grown in Washington, there's no crop that's more in need of a research commission than cannabis. The state of Washington produces over 500 different crops worth billions of dollars. All of these commodities receive extensive production research and support from Washington State University, the United States Department of Agriculture, and other state and federal agencies except cannabis. Nearly all other forms of industry production benefit from a long list of research, extension, financial, and technical support from a variety of institutions. For example, every Washington grower of any other crop receives USDA-funded pesticide applicator training, worker protection, and safety training, but not cannabis growers. It's considered illegal for USDA to fund such work, and the university's policies forbid such training for cannabis growers which leaves cannabis growers left to finance and develop such programs for themselves, hence the need for a self-funded and directed cannabis commission. So aside from a SRO or self-regulatory organization, a bill establishing a cannabis commission could be the single best mechanism to allow a grower to produce a crop that's safe for Washington customers, cannabis growers, and their employees. Next week, you guys are going to find out about Washington State's monthly cannabis sales figures, with that, we're going to have to roll up this Washington State Cannabis Report. I'm Josh Kincaid from The Talking Hedge reporting for Weed Talk News. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't.
and I'm out. A win for craft cannabis growers in Illinois. For weeks, we've told you about how the state's largest cannabis trade association opposed canopy expansion for social equity applicant cultivators. Well, this week, a judge ruled in favor of the 60 new craft cannabis growing licenses, allowing a major expansion of the industry to newcomers. Craft growers are hailing the decision as a major victory for applicants trying to get started in the business. Thomas Howard has more in this week's Illinois Report. Hi, it's Tom Howard, the cannabis industry lawyer with news out of the Illinois market. It's finally starting to move in Illinois. Uh, lots of news came out last week. First, on the Ides of March, March 15th, of course, uh, the IDPFR, which handles the dispensary side of the industry in Illinois, issued a notice to everyone that there will be another 55 dispensary licenses in a much more egalitarian style of lottery for those dispensaries later this year into the late summer or early fall, as the press release said, there will be 55 new dispensaries, mostly and basically only for social equity. It's going to be a very streamlined process, similar to lotteries that we have seen in Connecticut, and it's very similar to the lotteries that Washington State did way back in 2016, most recently, to licensed adult use dispensaries. There's some basic information that you will be putting together through a web portal, like your company's name, who the principal officers are, and then there's a small entry fee of $250, and that's it you're allowed one application. Uh, that's all. And so there's no lottery stuffing like last time in the uh, that happened in the dispensary lottery in the state of Illinois. And there's also news out of the craft grower lawsuit, but maybe not the dispensary lawsuit. The craft grower lawsuit moved uh, quite substantially on March 10th, when many of those that had been disqualified were undisqualified, and the matter was remanded back to the Department of Agriculture for determining who actually wins those licenses. Um, not only that, the uh, moratorium or the, the restraining order, the temporary restraining order, keeping the Illinois Department of Agriculture from naming the other 60 craft uh, grow winners has been dissolved, so new licenses could be coming any day now. Uh, and then finally, there is a hearing for a motion to dismiss in the last lawsuit that's going to be up on um, May the 6th. And that's one is the Fox River Gardens lawsuit, a, uh, a different lawsuit than the craft grower ones. But uh, it appears that Illinois is starting to thaw. There are craft growers coming, there's more dispensaries coming, and the motion to dismiss the uh, dispensaries lawsuit is going to be heard on May the 6th. So stay tuned to Weed Talk News. More MSOs are making their way to the Sunshine State. Just after MedMen announced it was leaving Florida entirely, make way for Planet 13. The Nevada-based company announced it's opening its first medical dispensary near Jacksonville with plans to open more. And True Leaf has a new shop in Boca Raton, which is now open for business. For more from Florida, here's Heather Allman. Thank you, Elena. It's time for the Florida Report from We Talk News. I'm Heather Allman from Cannabis Law Report. TrueLeaf has announced it will be closing its 200,000 square foot cannabis grow facility in Alachua County at the end of the month. The closure results from the company's acquisition of Harvest Health and Recreation in October 2021. 
One of the facility's 160 employees took to social media reporting they were fully informed of the March 31st closure and they had the option to come to work or stay home and still be paid by the company until the last day. More than half of the Alachua County employees have already accepted jobs at other Chulu locations. I guess that's the ones that are coming to work. Earlier this week, a $1.5 million mail delivery plot landed a man in Bay County Jail. The Panama City Police Department stopped a shipment of more than 190 pounds of cannabis being sent through the mail. Corporal Christian Shaw said the department responded in late January after UPS store employees noticed three large boxes that smelled of cannabis. A canine unit positively identified it as cannabis and the street crimes unit officers intercepted a van attempting to pick up the three boxes. The van's driver was arrested and charged with trafficking, possession of a counterfeit driver's license, providing false ID to law enforcement, and possession of narcotics equipment. This bust is the largest seizure in a decade for the Panama City Police Department, and officials are still investigating. And in breaking news on Wednesday, DocMJ, a medical marijuana company based in Florida, will pay over $736,000 to resolve allegations that it bombarded consumers with spam text messages, allegedly violating federal law. According to a 2020 amended class action lawsuit, DocMJ regularly sent thousands of text messages advertising its services to prospective customers. But the hundreds of text messages received by the class action's main plaintiff were determined by police to be generated by an automatic dialing system or a random phone number generator. After several attempts, the plaintiff was able to successfully unsubscribe by texting STOP. However, he says he never gave DocMJ permission to text him in the first place, so the text violated the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, or TCPA. And while Physician Compassionate Care, who's been doing business as DocMJ since June 2015, has not admitted any wrongdoing, they readily agreed to avoid the cost of trial and resolve these allegations with the $736,000 settlement. Class members can receive a cash payment of up to a whopping $18, and the final hearing is scheduled for August 12th. That's a wrap for We Talk News Florida Report. I'm Heather Allman from Cannabis Law Report. Have a great week ahead. Another sign things are returning to normal on the global scale. This week, Spain has been the center of the wide world of weed. Business owners and influencers from all over the globe flock to Barcelona for the International Cannabis Business Conferences Barcelona Edition, followed by the world-famous Spanibus event. Stephen Arthur George takes a closer look in this week's European Report. I'm Stephen Arthur George from SAG Advisory Services in Lisbon, Portugal. This is the European Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Europe finally raises THC levels for hemp food products. The European Industrial Hemp Association finally clocks a win when it comes to increasing the THC levels. This does not pertain to CBD, which is still being regulated by novel foods regulations. It is a step forward, though, for the European hemp industry, but, as many of them say, there's still a lot of work to be done. Down south of Europe, after 20 years, Spanibus is still the biggest European cannabis event. The three-day event just concluded this past Sunday in Barcelona. It drew thousands of individuals from all across the world, not just Europe. And seed sellers still seem to be the biggest highlight of the event. 
Finally, the European Monitoring Center for Drugs releases their new report. Interestingly enough, they study the wastewater of 75 different cities in 25 different European countries. According to the study, cannabis and cocaine remain the most used drugs across Europe, but they also did mention that cannabis use seemed to be unaffected by COVID compared to the other drugs, or at least less effective. That's the European Cannabis Report. I'm Stephen Arthur George from SAG Advisory Services reporting for We Talk News. And here's something for you to take a bite out of. Former heavyweight champion Mike Tyson is unleashing a new edible into the world in the form of an ear. Not kidding. The newly released Mike Bites are a cannabis-infused gummy shaped like an ear. So you can feel just like Mike taking a bite out of a Vander Holyfield. Only this bite will give you a little extra buzz. The edible is, of course, in reference to Tyson being disqualified for biting a chunk out of Evander Holyfield's ear during their heavyweight championship title clash in 1997. But Holyfield says it doesn't bother him, saying, quote, I'm glad it happened because it gave me an opportunity to talk about what forgiveness is. What people don't know is Mike is a lot more knowledgeable than they think. They think he's crazy, but he's a business person now. Who would have thought we would ever see the day such a product would hit the market? Well, if you want to take a bite out of the new trend, you can check out Tyson20.com to find out where to get them. Why not give it a try, right? After all, it's a whole new world of weed out there, so use it wisely. That's it for Weed Talk News this week. I'm Elena Pinto reporting for Pro Cannabis Media. Hi, my name is Tai Chang. I'm the president and founder of Aloha Green Apothecary in Hawaii. We're a vertically integrated medical cannabis company with three dispensaries, uh, one extraction lab, and one cultivation center near the North Shore of Oahu. We have over 150 employees now, and we've been working with Adaptive HR to meet our, meet our human resource needs. We're super excited to work with them as we expand, and we've grown uh, at least two, three times over the last two years. So we look forward to a good relationship with Adaptive, and uh, come visit us in Hawaii anytime. Aloha. Talk and In the Weeds are two productions of Pro Cannabis Media supported by Revolutionary Clinics, one of the top medical cannabis dispensaries in the Massachusetts area. Now with three locations in Greater Boston, two in Cambridge, and one on Broadway in Somerville. Rev Clinics has a patient first mission. They will customize your needs as a medical patient with the proper titration and combination of strains, flavors, and products. Rev Clinics, where the patient comes first. Difference is building a solution for that individual not just a custom, here's a box, here's a video, here's how you make your VMS. We custom design and custom build every situation for exactly what the customer needs. 
and we keep the cost low. We have multiple tiers, you know, as far as what you're looking at on the cost side of things. If you want a one-time, you know, where you just pay one initial cost, we have that. If you want to maintain your system and have the highest protection and highest capabilities and highest upgrades at all times, we have different plans for you. But we scale it so it's scalable and affordable 100%. Hey, you want to grow your own plants? Check out Style Lighting's Grow Kit. It has everything you need to become an expert home grower and bring the power of the sun indoors. Style Lighting uses TCP's high-powered commercial LEDs that deliver twice the output in the market. The Grow Kit has a grow bag, a timer, chains to hang the light, and of course the best in the business lighting system by TCP. Check out stylelighting.shop for more information. Meet Caduceus Science, the alternative wellness company. You know CBD, but how about CBG, CBN? That's right, Caduceus Science produces a range of full-spectrum products, all lab-tested in small batches to maintain the highest quality of products. CaduceusScience.com Cannabis Media Programming is available live and on demand on our Facebook page at ProCanna Media, on Instagram at ProCannabis Media, on LinkedIn also at ProCannabis Media, on YouTube and YouTube Live on ProCannabis Media, Twitter at ProCanna Media, and on twitch.tv backslash ProCannabisMedia. So like, share, and subscribe to all of our content, newsletters, and shows live or on demand. We are Pro Cannabis Media.